Welcome to Faith Baptist Church, Great Village, where we believe in the truth of the gospel, building of community, and engaging in the mission of Christ. We hope you enjoy this week's message as our pastors share from God's Word. Well, good morning. It's good to be with you, um, sort of, for all of you in the internet world. Um, It's a pleasure to be be here, and I bring uh, greetings from the family of Mount Tabor Bible Camp. I want to start right in with a, uh, just a small story. Um, when Debbie and I first uh, started at Mount Traber, the camp wasn't in very good shape. Um, Bob Boger had left a year before that, and uh, a lot of things were left in disarray. So Debbie and I had a few months to get the camp ready for the summer program, and we didn't have anyone to lean on. Um, we were doing our best uh, to get things ready, and we had absolutely no money. Uh, there was a truck. That was in the yard, it didn't work, and there was a lot of things that were going wrong, and we didn't know how we were gonna get this camp running uh, financially. So one day we were sitting there and there was a Pepsi machine. It was an old one that was picked up a long time ago and uh, it was actually plugged in, so I figured they, you know, they must have been using it. So I thought, well, what are the chances? So I found the key and I opened it up and I looked down and there's that uh, canvas bag that's at the bottom and it was full of coins. And uh, you would have thought we struck gold. And so we took the bag out, and it was full of loonies and toonies. And it was $300 there. And so we took that $300, and we did amazing things with it. And uh, God um, provided, and we were able to run camp that year. And it just shows that uh, you know, God can take something small and turn it into something big. You know, the story of feeding the 5,000 we think about that, is it a blip on the screen or is it something of great importance? And I have to be honest, when Pastor Steve asked me to preach on this topic and I looked at the scripture in John 6, I was like, man, this is a short story. I wonder how I'm going to be able to write a whole message on this. But after studying it, I realized, wow, there's a lot of different directions I could have went. There's a lot in this story. So, But before we get into God's word, let's uh, open in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for uh, this morning the opportunity to come and to share your word. I pray, Lord, that you will use my words, and Lord, that you will just uh, speak through me, and that you will bless uh, this message, Lord. Again, I I thank you for being here, and everyone who's joining in, in Jesus' name, amen. So let's uh, look at our Bibles, and uh, hopefully you're already there at John chapter 6. And oh, I forgot, this is a new thing. The glass has got to go on because I'm blind. John chapter 6, starting verse 1. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. That is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked us only to test him, for he had already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each, of, each one to have a bite. Another one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up, Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will that go among so many? And Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Keep in mind, it was more than just men that were there. There were women and children probably there, so it was probably a lot more than 5,000. 
Jesus then took the loaves and gave thanks and distributed it to those who were seated, seated at as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled the 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. To get a more complete picture of what is happening here, it is a good idea to look at the other Gospels, the other three Gospels um, that this miracle was talked about. It is the only miracle that is mentioned in all four Gospels. There is a lot happening here, and at first glance, it, it just looks like Jesus is being nice. He's teaching and healing, he's, do, he's doing his ministry, and he decided to feed these people. And John's gospel goes right into the act of the miracle. In Luke's gospel, in chapter 9, it tells us more about what Jesus did when he got to Bethsaida. After he caught, crossed over from Capernaum and got to Bethsaida, it talks a little bit more about what he did, healing and teaching. It also describes the disciples' first reaction to the crowds that were coming. In Mark's gospel, in chapter 6, it adds more detail about John the Baptist's death leading up to this miracle. And that is very, very important to read and to understand. Matthew's gospel, um, his version, it talks about Jesus withdrawing privately. And as you can see, and try to envision in your mind, and that's what I like, uh, I like to do it, and I like for you to do it, envision what is going on in Jesus' ministry at this particular time. And we must be so careful when we read scripture. We look at what is happening before and what is happening and sometimes after the scripture at hand. And what I mean is when we're studying the word of God, a lot of times we need to read other gospels or other, message, or other verses before and after um, the subject at hand. And it gives us a clear picture of what is happening. We have to be so careful that we read things in the right context because there's false doctrine and false religions are started because of not taking things in the right context or read it in the right context. So here we have the disciples coming back to Jesus with all kinds of reports. You remember that Jesus sent out the 12. He gave them a lot of authority and responsibility to heal and to teach and to cast out demons. And that's, you know, a pretty tall order. They were excited to come back to Jesus and tell him all of their reports. And of course, at this time, Jesus was healing and he was teaching himself. Jesus had people around him all the time. They, in fact, they were bombarding him. And then he gets the news of John the Baptist. And of course, Jesus is God, and we knew, um, we know that, that he knew that it happened when it was going to happen, but it doesn't take away the uh, effects of uh, losing a really close friend. John the Baptist was very important to Jesus. Jesus was exhausted and upset along with the disciples and that is why he said let's go to a solitary place for some rest but Jesus knew that the people had other plans so there's three things that I come up with when I'm studying uh, this portion of scripture and it's compassion it's provision and revelation compassion willing to help in any circumstance provision. He provided their physical needs, but more importantly, he provided their spiritual needs. 
and Revelation. Who Jesus is. The whole book of John is revealing who Jesus is. He's the Son of God. So let's look at compassion. And I just painted a clear picture of the situation that Jesus was in. Okay, his circumstances. And after all of that, after all what's going on, he still was willing to teach them and to share with them who he really is, that he's the son of God. He was still willing to heal them. And Jesus knew that the people were not going to let him rest. He knew they were following him around the sea on foot. Now, the Sea of Galilee, it's really a big lake. It's 21 kilometers long, and it's 13 kilometers wide. Um, it's, it's not unrealistic to think that people could walk around that. But a lot of people, they were excited about what Jesus was doing. They were hearing about the prophecy handed down from generation to generation about this Messiah. They want to know, is this the Messiah? There was a lot of people that seen the miracles. They wanted to be healed, and so they're going to follow him on foot. Some of them may have gotten into boats and followed him. We don't know. But there's a lot of people crowding in on Jesus. He knew their hearts. He knew their motivations. But he was still um, willing. He still had compassion for these people. This is a perfect example for us to follow. Do not focus on the circumstances that you're in right now. Do not let it affect your ministry or affect your testimony. In a lot of cases, people start out following Jesus with a vision that is admirable. I want to conquer the world for him. I want to stand for him. I'll do whatever it takes. And that is a good attitude to have. It is a good way to start until things start to go south, in which case that usually happens within the first day. I tell people that um, being a missionary in my own community, in my own country, it's, it's, it can be very uh, um, easy. You know, we're protected by the police. You know, we have health care and all that kind of stuff. It's maybe a little, little bit more cushy than missionaries abroad. But one of the hardest things about being a missionary in my own community is that I, I'm surrounded by exit signs. And what I mean by that is I could leave at any time. Not to boast, but I have my engineering. I could leave and do that. I run heavy equipment. I've done a lot of things in my, in my life, and I know and I'm pretty confident that I could get a job at any time. Why should I have to put up with the government discriminating against Mount Traber? Why should I have to go and, and try to run a camp with absolutely no money, the camp that's fallen apart, and all the troubles, uh, families trying to sue the camp for frivolous things? Why should I have to worry about that? I could stay focused on my circumstances and leave at any time. But I don't allow that to happen. We must understand and expect that Satan will attack us on many levels. He hates believers. He hates our efforts to please God, and he will do anything to stop us, especially people in ministry. You know, Satan loves to create circumstances, but he also loves to remind us of the circumstances that we're in so that it takes our focus off of the Lord and we start focusing on our circumstances and then it affects our ministry, it affects everything, and we want to bail, okay? Don't focus too much on your own circumstances. Real commitment is following Jesus no matter what is happening in your life, in all circumstances. And I know I'm going to say the word circumstances a lot, but that's just the way it is. Following when we're tired, frustrated, inconvenienced, and following with very little, or if it costs you, given everything you got, no matter what. It can be tough. 
but you need to be willing. It can be a small sacrifice, but be willing. And you know what? There's no story in the Bible where God asks us to do less, only more. Okay, and let me be clear about this. I am not saying that people need to give everything and all and all their time and be reckless. What I'm saying here is we need to be willing to give when the time is right, when you have the opportunity to have compassion, because that's what Jesus did. There are a lot of times when we do not want to serve because we're tired or we're sick or we're frustrated because of COVID-19 or we're brokenhearted. We are masters at using these as excuses not to serve. And you know what? In today's society, people accept them as excuses. It's accepted. And you might be fooling other people, but you're not fooling God. We have to remember that we do not represent ourselves. We represent Jesus. When we have a bad attitude or refuse to help or always have excuses, do you really think that helps Jesus? Is that a good representation of Jesus' love or his compassion? Do you think a non-believer is going to want to be a part of that? Do you think he's going to see your bad attitude or not wanting to help and want to be a part of that? Of course not. And trust me, they're watching. Jesus was willing to work through all of the hardships, through those circumstances, because he was willing, because he knew that there were some that stayed there with him that were going to follow him to the end. He knew it was worth it. You know what, Mount Traber Bible Camp, it takes a lot of money, a lot of effort to run camp for the camping season. And uh, the last few years, we've noticed less and less kids coming to, know, coming to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And after all the work and, and time and effort put into it, I, I have to be honest, sometimes it bothers me. And, and you know, I got to go to churches and present what Mount Traber is doing. It's like, oh man, only six kids came to know the Lord. Is it worth it? Well, of course it's worth it. It's absolutely worth it if one child comes to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I don't, can't focus on that. Debbie and I and the rest of the staff, we focus on running camp, trusting Christ, and let him do the rest, and all the glory and honor go to him. And talking about circumstances while running camp, Debbie and I, a few years back, we had some issues with one of our children. In fact, it got so bad that um, it, it derailed us for a little bit, and of course, as it turned out, um, Satan had a lot to do with this. Um, it, it happened during one of the weeks of camp, probably one of the worst times. And uh, I found myself searching for this particular child um, in town in the middle of the night. And then I had to turn around and do devotions the next morning with my staff and run camp. And it was a tough thing to do. I wanted to quit and crawl in a hole. And I don't mean that as a euphemism, quit. I, I really wanted to resign. But it was Jesus in me, and I want to be crystal clear about this this morning. It was Jesus in me, Jesus in Debbie, that gave us the strength to carry on. And you know, there's one particular week that Tim Boger happened to be there, and he picked up there was something wrong, and he really came alongside of us and helped us with that week. I have a neighbor uh, at Mount Traber, and the very first day that we took over Mount Traber, he was in the yard, and he caused all kinds of trouble. He's uh, an alcoholic. Um, he would drive into the camp, um, causing all kinds of trouble. And for some reason, he thought he owned half of Mount Traber property. And he wanted us to move all our buildings. And it got so bad that BCM had to get involved. We had a lawyer. And he caused us a lot of trouble. And over time, 
You know, one of the days I pulled out of the camp to go to Middle Muscadabit, I seen him in his field. He had a farm adjacent to the camp, and he was just stuck in the mud, and they were all trying to get it out. And I knew I had a four-wheel drive backhoe, um, belonged to Dana Day. I had it at the camp, and uh, the Lord was really speaking to me. And I want to be clear again, it was Jesus in me that went and got that machine and pulled him out. I wanted to leave him in the mud and teach him a lesson. But I'm going to tell you something this morning. It really improved the relationship. And I didn't go down there in a snit pulling him out, although I wanted to. I was friendly with him, and something changed. And I give God all the credit for this. And till this day, we wave, we talk, you know, we're not like bosom buddies, but at least, you know, we're cordial. So there we have compassion. So let's look at provision, okay? Jesus met these people's needs physically, okay? He fed them, and he didn't have to. He could have taught them and sent them home for supper. We wouldn't have known any different if it had said in the Bible that Jesus taught and he healed, and then the people went away. We wouldn't have known. We wouldn't have said, oh, why didn't he feed these people, okay? But he did. He fed them. He could have taught them, sent them home for supper, but he didn't. A lot of them probably didn't even notice that Jesus was meeting their spiritual needs as well. And this was proved farther in the chapter when a lot of people left. When the teaching got hard and they probably weren't getting anything out of Jesus um, in their minds and they left him. But you know, when we read this story, one of the lessons that's tucked away is the boy. We don't know much about him and he's only mentioned briefly in this portion of scripture in, uh, in, in John's gospel. He obviously came prepared. I mean, he had two loaves and, uh, or t- two fish and two loaves and, uh, oh my goodness, I almost forgot, two loaves and five fish, two fish and five loaves. Oh my goodness, I almost forgot. <laughs> he didn't have a whole lot. And here he is coming home. We don't know whether he's going to use that to feed his family. We, we have no idea, but he obviously gave it freely. He trusted in Jesus. And I think we need to focus on this boy sometimes. Because he didn't focus on his circumstances, did he? I don't think Andrew went and grabbed this little bit of food from him and stole it from him, because I don't think God would have blessed him for that. He didn't focus on his circumstances of his food being taken. He helped Jesus, okay, listen to this, he helped Jesus provide for other people, okay, and he did it willingly. He had compassion. Jesus used this small sacrifice and turned it into something big. There's the small, turn it into something big. We do not know how God or what God will do with our faithful deeds, no matter how big or no matter how small. A little money, especially when we don't have much. A little time, especially when things are crazy busy, which is, you know, in today's society, you know, all the time and for, and for everyone. A kind word, especially when we're frustrated or we're hurting. And I'm just going to say something about a kind word and what it can do. This whole dog episode, when I killed that pit bull dog, there was so much hate that was directed towards me and death threats that the RCMP had to guard Mount Traber. But you know, there was a lot of people who supported what I did, and those kind words helped me get through that. So a kind word is powerful. God can change someone's life with the smallest of gestures. We can play a part in God's provision. 
but are you willing? And just remember the ending of the story. And where do you think those 12 baskets of food went? Just think about that for a second. Where do you think? It doesn't say where they went, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say that they went to this little boy and took it back to his family. And he went home with a lot more than what he started off with. We Sometimes we don't get to that part of those blessings. And I spoke about this before, last time I was here, that we, can, we miss out on, on blessings because we're too concerned with our circumstances, you know, especially when it comes to cost. Okay, and I'm going to be a little bit harsh on a beautiful Sunday morning. We need to know that if it does not cost anything, then it isn't worth anything. Only give if they have plenty. And for those who just say they'll pray for someone and they have the means of helping, but they just say they'll pray for you, your prayers are useless. And listen, if you're thinking right now, well, Mark, you're being some hard on us and, and you don't even know, remember what the, if it's two fish or five loaves, what are you talking about? Okay, just remember James chapter 2, verses 14 to 17. Faith without action is dead. And don't help people out of a sense of duty um, or you think you have to. You do it because of compassion, okay? Help Jesus provide for someone using your compassion. It is very important and it's a very good lesson. You know, a lot of the people that were with Jesus that day, they did stay because practicality gives way to belief. Just like a heart attack leads you to believe you should lose weight or take better care of yourself. Your need will bring you to Jesus and the love and compassion you discover will keep you there. Okay, these people, they came to Jesus because you know, of a need, a huge need. A lot of them, they wanted to know if he was the Messiah. A lot of them seen him healing, so they brought loved ones. They wanted to be healed themselves. They wanted to be healed. They came out of a sense of need. But when they got there, what they seen, the compassion in Jesus, it kept a lot of them there. So when you're helping someone, make sure that they see your compassion. They feel your compassion because it can make a huge difference in someone's life. Someone's life can be changed because of it. So now we have revelation. Jesus is revealing who he really is through his miracles, his everyday life. He's revealing himself to his disciples, to the people of that time, and to us. And you know, it's a, it seems to be a never-ending process for the Lord. So you remember the disciples, they just came back with reports Okay, after being given authority to, to teach and to heal and to drive out demons, they were just given all of that authority and they were doing that. They had that power to do that. Why were they asking about how are they going to feed these people? Why were they asking that question to Jesus? Just let that sink in for a moment. You think they, after all that the disciples were doing and excited about reporting to Jesus, that they would have known that, well, this, this is a, a cakewalk to feed these people. Well, they're just like us. Jesus reveals himself to us in so many ways, and then as soon as we face struggles, our faith takes a nosedive. We do it so often. We are too focused on our circumstances rather than on Jesus, just like Philip and Andrew and the other disciples that day. What is the first thing those disciples saw? 
was the overwhelming crowds coming to Jesus. And they wanted to disperse the crowd because they were tired. They knew Jesus was tired and upset. Okay, their first reaction was, well, let's, let's get rid of the crowd. They're going to bother Jesus. They were concerned about the cost. They were concerned about, well, how are we going to feed all these people? Now think about Peter when he walked on the water with Jesus. This is a perfect, perfect illustration. When he's walking on the water and then all of a sudden he realizes or he starts to focus on his circumstance, his surroundings, the wind and the waves. And what happens? He starts to sink because he took his eyes off of the Lord. He focused on his circumstances. What an awesome illustration for us. And you know, Jesus even threw in a little test there in verse 5. Asking, you know, how are we going to feed these people? You think that would have been a red flag for the disciples, but apparently it wasn't. They should have known by now, just like us as born-again believers should know by now, that Jesus is the Son of God and that he is in control of everything regardless of the circumstances that you're in. Now, when COVID first hit back in the spring, Maybe we didn't take it very seriously, but then when the emergency measures all come into place and uh, we're, you know, scared we're going to run out of all this stuff and toilet paper was going to be non-existent anymore and all these things were happening, do you, did you really believe that God was in control? What about the other tragedies that happened in Nova Scotia, okay, in the last few months? At that time, did you really believe that Jesus Christ was still in control or did you focus so much on what was happening that it took your focus off the Lord because that can affect our compassion for others and our willingness to help. Now is the time to have compassion. Now is the time. Don't wait till after COVID is done um, and things you know, loosen up a bit to help. No, now is the time. Now is the time for provision. Help Jesus provide someone else's needs. Now is the time to have absolute faith in Jesus Christ and what he can do. I know we all believe that Jesus is the son of God. We believe in Jesus. But do you believe what he can do? You know, this is going to go down as probably one of the worst years in history. Or for a lot of people, it's going to be the worst year of their life. But do you know what? It could be the best year in people's lives. You could be the one to lead someone to Christ, okay, by providing for them, reaching them with the good news, having compassion for them. And it could turn out to be the best year of not only their life because they accepted Jesus Christ, but also the best year in your life because Jesus will bless. At Mount Traber, it's been a difficult year. You know, we're in the same boat that everyone else is in. Um, in the spring, I have to be honest, it was uh, a little bit uh, troubling thinking about how we were going to pay our bills um, at the camp because we knew we weren't going to be able to run camp. But, uh, you know, the Lord always gives us, uh, you know, direction. And so we decided that we were going to do what's called Traber to You boxes. And we even had special T-shirts. I think they're going to be a collector's item. Um, it says Traber to You on them with our logo these, these boxes are, are physical boxes that you can order, and in the box are a t-shirt, there's a, um, an item, a craft item for each day, there's a canteen item for each day, there's all kinds of different uh, activities for them to do, but there's also Zoom times with our staff, and then there's links to all kinds of neat videos that we did 
um, that the kids can go to and uh, be a part of. One of the videos that Debbie and I did, um, there's two of the horses that are in the corral, and they're talking with mine and Debbie's voices. That was my idea. And how the horses miss the kids. So that's just one of them. Uh, we opened up the, uh, the horse program. We have tra trail rides where people can call and book a trail ride. We have uh, training. Um, kids can call up and do uh, training a couple days a week. And on Fridays, we have an, basically an open house for people to come in down at the barn to do uh, pony rides. Um, and if you think that you're too big for our ponies, we actually have some pretty big horses, so don't worry about your size. Um, you can come and, and have fun on Fridays uh, till uh, lunchtime. And so what that has done, it's interesting, is people who have never stepped foot at, on Mount Traber have been coming to the camp and bringing their kids or they're coming themselves and seeing what Mount Traber is all about. There are some people who I've went to school with my entire life, but they've never went to Mount Traber or knew what was beyond the sign and come in, and when they're doing the trail rides, they're walking all through the camp, so I tell the boys to make sure we have it all mowed and whippersnipped and looking uh, neat and tidy, and they're impressed by what they saw, and so the Lord is, is using that, and so we're very thankful, and it's helping uh, pay for the feed to, to feed those uh, horses. I'm very thankful that so far we're able to keep up with our bills. Um, we're very thankful for that. A lot of churches and individuals have pitched in to help us uh, with their bills. I'm very thankful on a personal, personal level. Um, I have my engineering by, tr by um, trade, and I still work for the Stockdike Greenhouse, um, the Stockdike family, and they've been willing to still pay me, even though I, just, I call in each week to get updates. I'm actually starting back uh, tomorrow uh, physically at their, at their farm, and I'm very thankful for that. I'm also thankful that I uh, can work at one of the local dairy farms at the Mostert family, running one of their big tractors, and it, it, uh, so far I've been able to keep up with our bills personally, so I'm very thankful for that. Also, um, the windows in the lodge. Uh, Keith has been coming down the last uh, couple weeks and putting in some of the windows. We're very thankful. Not quite uh, happy about what he found. Uh, turns out we got to do a lot more work to the main lodge. Um, a lot of it is, uh, is, is rotten, so um, big projects uh, coming up. So, you know, you'll hear from me about that. But also, we're having what's called a family fun day. Uh, you've seen it advertised already. It is uh, August the 30th from 3 p.m. till 6 p.m., so don't worry you can leave your um, activities at uh, the church because I know you guys are having something going on that morning and you can drive. It's only an hour away, trust me. I do it all the time. It's an hour away and uh, we're going to have the horses. We're going to do pony rides. Um, we are going to have the pool open, but only so many at a time. Jason Taylor is going to be doing live music. We're going to have uh, a barbecue and just have a good time. So please come out to that. It's, uh, you know, it's just a time to bring people in to remind them um, that Mount Traber is still around, and, uh, but also to help raise a little bit of money to go towards uh, paying our bills throughout the winter. I'm very thankful that um, I was able to come here and to share a little bit what God has laid on my heart um, with feeding the, the multitudes. And, you know, this is just an example of um, how we really need to get into God's Word a lot more because we hear all these stories through Scripture, and sometimes I think we take it for granted until we start studying it. We study the verses before and after and other gospels that mention that same uh, story and we get a clearer picture of what's, what's going on. And I just want you to remember that no matter what is happening in your life right now, always have compassion for others. And just think about what Jesus went through that whole time and is a good example for us to follow. So I'm just going to close in a word of prayer.
Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for um, this opportunity to share uh, your word. Um, I thank you for the support from this church, um, helping out at the camp. Um, Lord, I just uh, pray that you will keep everyone safe here and that, um, Lord, you will see us through this COVID-19 and, Lord, that you will give us opportunities to witness to other, that others, that we will have the compassion regardless of what is happening in our lives, Lord, when, when people, or when you bring people in our lives to help, that we will take that opportunity and that we will have the willingness and the heart to do it. And Lord, we don't know how you're going to work, but Lord, just the bottom line is that we have faith and trust in you. Lord, just bless this day. And again, I thank you for all you've done in Jesus' name. Amen.